Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to Momenta on the Main Line. We're your hosts. I'm Dr. Joanna Holleran. And I'm Dr. Alon Green. We're here to talk about all things health, wellness, fitness, performance, and overall well-being. Hope you enjoy the show. guest today is a third generation in the dental field practicing in Rosemont, Pennsylvania. A graduate of Temple University Dental School, he joined his father at Dillon Family Dentistry in 1989 and has been practicing general dentistry there ever since. Dillon Family Dentistry is a low-volume, high-personal-touch general dentist office. Dr. Dillon centers his practice around educating his patients, listening and answering their questions, and practicing the least invasive dentistry as possible to meet all of his patients' needs. Their motto is modern dentistry, old-fashioned care. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Dr. David Dillon. Hey, Alan. What's up? Thanks for, uh, for joining. When we, uh, I, I got to be honest, when we had uh, the idea of starting the podcast, especially with like local you know, people in mind, uh, we made a list and you were at like the top of that list because <laughs> I, I, you know, when we first got to know each other, I was talking to you about it and talking about like your style of practice and your general outlook on life and just thought it'd be really fun to hang out for 30 to 60 minutes and just kind of pick your brain on this stuff. So I appreciate you taking the time. Right on. I'm, I'm, I'm honored. Cool. So I, I know we, we talked a little bit about your background, uh, being a third generation dentist. And I'm, I'm just kind of curious. I know we've talked a little bit about it in the past, but third generation in the same practice. I mean, that's, it's a pretty cool honor to be able to kind of carry on that tradition. And over yeah, that time, yeah, it really yeah. is. Um, it was, uh, uh, so my father was a, a really good dentist. I went into practice with him and then his father was worked for a dental supply company. And he was one of the first people to teach dentist practice management. And it went from like Marcus, Marcus Welby, the white coat syndrome, doctors mm-hmm. knows best, you know, everyone just did what the doctor said to kind of more collaborative co-diagnosis, um, you know, what feels right to you. And, you know, also like in, in dentistry, like treating the patients nicely, you know, it wasn't just yeah. like you hung your shit, you hung your shingle and everyone who was in the closest radius came to you, like it or not. But, you know, it was just like, okay, there's another way of doing this, a better way of doing it. So, um, you know, it's kind of funny, like those are the more important things. I was just telling a patient today, like, my dad didn't tell me how to drill a tooth better or how to do this and that too much at all. Those aren't the things that I really learned from them. It was all the, the patient interaction, you know, how really how to treat it, how to treat another human being in the dental operatory, you know, and there's not a disconnect um, between that in the office and maybe how he treated everybody else in life, you know? So the lessons were, we're constant either at home or in the office. Yeah. And, and I know like, especially I guess, interpersonal skills in, in the, I guess, realm of healthcare have like bedside manner is the term for it. Right. But that typically carries over. It's typically a reflection of somebody's personality and, and the way that they approach people outside of it too. And yeah, I, I do think that, uh, and, and kind of leading into the next question too, is, is 
you know, a lot of our approach and, and outlook on people and the people that we deal with and care for plays a big role in their, uh, I guess, like, I don't want to say like prognosis, but how they do with the care that we actually provide. And so having that in mind and really kind of focusing not only on the skills of, of dentistry or whatever your craft is, but also focusing on just being able to kind of communicate and, and connect with people is extremely important in, in the line of work that we both do. So Sure. I mean, they're going to buy into it more, right? Yeah, if, for if sure. They, if they feel like you're there with them, they're going to buy into it more. Yeah. And so I think um, I would I would describe you as the most personable dentist that I've ever met. <laughs> and it's not it's not wow. anything necessarily. So that's like, about uh, like the big fish in a little <laughs> pond. <laughs> well, it's, it's not anything necessarily about like like the lack of personality of the other dentists that I know as much as the the uniqueness that you bring to it in that sense. And so I know we talked about it previously. And one thing that I know you wanted to talk about, something that you're passionate about is uh, kind of how transformative dentistry can be for you know a, a lot of people. And so I know you, you came up with a couple of examples that we talked about before. I don't want to spoil it. So I, I'll let you kind of take it. But I know that like being able to provide some transformation for people um, is really important. So I'll let you kind of dive into what that means and, uh, and a couple of examples of, of some of the cases that you've seen, if you wouldn't mind. Sure. So like on, um, on like a, a more basic level, um, you know, absolutely positively what you guys do is, is absolutely transformative. You take people who can't walk, can't run, can't go upstairs and everything and you, you help them through. So that would be transformative, uh, you know, in like a physical uh, kind of, yeah. Take care of billings and stuff like that. Or, you know, someone who wants a pretty smile, like, sure, that's transformative and everything. And that's just, that's kind of on a, on a, on a cool practicing level for us. Mm -hmm. Right. But then the more, the things that resonate with me a lot more and are like the bigger victories for me, the transformative victories for me are um, uh, the more, like you were alluding to, like the more personal aspects of it. So sometimes um, probably, probably the, one demographic of patients that my office is the best suited to that I have oriented my office the best towards mm -hmm. is the, all the people that are dental phobic patients, right. And everything of how we deal with them <clears throat> and everything with the vibe in the office and everything else is all set up to be that transformative experience for them. And yeah. we almost routinely do this in one or two visits. You yeah. have people that pace the hallway, can't sit down in the chair when they finally come out and come into the operatory. They won't swing their legs around. They like shudder with the idea of opening their mouth. And with like a visit or two, and like you and I had talked about before, it's the trust. You know, it's the yeah. communication. It's they know that they were hurt. They know it's important. You know, they know that I know what's important to them and that that matters to me. Right. Like, you know. Um, and it comes down really to, if there was one word, it's control mm -hmm. because it's a very vulnerable, they're opening like a very vulnerable part of their mouth. Mm -hmm. They can't see what's going on and they know I'm bringing in all sorts of terrible things, <laughs> pokey, tools. drilly, pointy, <laughs> yeah. you know, terrible things. Um, you know, and, uh, it's, it's really difficult. So that's, if there is a demographic that I take the most pride in, that's the most, um, heartwarming transformative experiences that I get the, the privilege of being part of. It's transforming the dental phobic patient into someone who just comes in and we just start talking about, Hey man, 
did you see this on TV or did you listen to this music yeah. or whatever? You know, what what music are we going to listen to today? And then we get into this whole conversation of like what music it is. And like the dentistry is just being done and they're just engaged in the whole great conversation, yeah. sincere conversation that we're having about music. Right. So I, I was going to ask you too, because I think I think half of it is obviously the the ability to kind of meet somebody where they're at and communicate properly. But then the sure. other half is also the environment that you create. And and so um, I'm wondering if you can kind of talk a little bit about that. Obviously, like, like you want to provide music can be really calming for people, something that's like yeah. familiar that they can just kind of relax and, and, you know, don't have to like, it doesn't have to be an extra thing. It can just be something that they're familiar with and, and allows them to relax. Is, are there any other things that you do or kind of make an effort to do that you feel are, are unique that help in that other half, the, almost the intangibles. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. Um, <laughs> easy. Like it's all part, right. It's all part of it. Right. Um, so, um, it would be, you know, your Briggs Myers thing where you meet people yeah. where they are and everything. Um, you know, if there's the serious person who just wants to get in, get out and everything else, you know, they don't want to be bothered by it. You know, it's them. It's the person who wants to show you the picture of all their kids and everything yeah. else you know, a person who wants to know how you're feeling about stuff and everything, you know, that's all fine. And there's all ways of dealing with them and everything else. And then the grinding halt is the engineer. Yeah. <laughs> who wants to know every detail in minutia, throw out all the other things that you learned. You're just going to have to sit down and you're going to have to go through, you know, cause it's what you need to do though. It's what right. you need to do for that guy. Yeah. So, um, so it's, um, it's basically getting caring mm -hmm. about understanding who the patient is. Right. And then the whole vibe in the office is construed around there. So we normally just have one patient in the office at a time. Mm -hmm. We have a really cool Sonos sound system in the office and we're bumping music all the time. The cool thing about the Sonos is we can play different music in different rooms. It mm -hmm. used to be that, you know, we just, we listened to everybody listened to the same music in the office at the same time. And everybody in the office just kowtowed to whatever the patient wanted to listen to. Um, so uh, nothing against people who enjoy country and, uh, and hip hop stuff and everything else. Fortunately, it's not a huge demographic in my office and we find other ways to get around that. Yeah. But, um, you know, we all listen, we all listen to what it is, but it's not just that, but it's, you know, how I'll speak to my office manager, how right. I'll speak to my dental assistant, like the whole vibe in the office is, and it's not the lowest common denominator, but it's wherever that person is on the spectrum. Mm -hmm. That's how everything is consistently around the office. Yeah, absolutely. So it's, so it's everything. Yeah. And I think it's also kind of speaking of even like the way that, that you would kind of describe your practice style as like a, a low volume, high personal touch. I mean, everything is kind of focused on, on the emphasis of having enough time to be able to provide that sort of experience for somebody be because it can make all the difference in their overall experience and, and how well they do with it and how open they are to, to actually receiving care, which is great. Um, I know in terms of transformer, there's, there's another form that I know you're also pretty passionate about. And I know it, it kind of has to do with, with a certain patient population where, I mean, let's be honest, like, like the way that your teeth look and, and the way that you feel about like, you know, your, your, visual presentation of yourself is extremely important. And a lot of times there are people who can't quite afford to be able to do that for a long time and finally get around to it. And, and I, we've just had some cool conversations in the past about that type of patient. Yeah. So I'm wondering if you might be able to talk a little bit. So about that. I, um, uh, probably for 
a bunch of different reasons. The mm -hmm. demographic that has very much um, endeared themselves to me, more it's more back to that I'm just proud and privileged to be able to be part of it is people who have lived nonlinear lives, mm -hmm. you know, people whose lives have dipped, you know, and they could have dipped for whatever reason, self-esteem, um, self-esteem, uh, uh, mental health issues. Um, and a lot of times, you know, a, a very big one and real one, especially these days, you know, is, is a uh, drug addiction, you know, substance right. abuse stuff. And these people, their lives have dipped and they're on the uptick and they're clean. They get a job, they get a place to live. They start repairing the relationships in their lives. And, um, very frequently I get to be the person who's putting the last piece of the puzzle, you know, in there. And it's, you know, it's a, it's, it's a real privilege. And once again, a lot of these people, <clears throat> um, you know, they come in not loving the idea of getting it. It's something they've been putting off. And what happens is when they start putting it off, the, uh, the enormity of, of what they have to get done is overwhelming, you know? Right. And if, if they start thinking of, you know, oh my God, this is bad, that's bad. I'm gonna have to have this taken out and da 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 When they start thinking of everything in totality, it's like, how can you, you know, I can't afford to do that now and everything else. And uh, it's just a matter of saying, dude, you already did the hardest thing. Yeah. <laughs> you're here. Like you did all the work to get here and you're here. Like, I just need you to really believe. And this is me being completely honest and sincere. Like you've done all the hardest things. I promise you, I'm going to make this not quite a victory lap, Mm -hmm. but pretty damn close to a victory lap. You know, right. the, the hard work is all done before me. Like, wow. Mm -hmm. You know, them and everybody else, you know, who's, who's part of their team. Yeah. Their tribe. I mean, so that's, that's a really cool experience. Yeah. I, I think that's a, that's a really good way to put it, you know? And, and I think also just kind of like making the decision to, to pursue it at the end and show up. I mean, most of it's being yeah. able to just kind of like show up and being willing to allow that transformation to happen too. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Um, I guess when it comes to, I think being able to kind of like follow some of the things that you're most passionate about, I, I think it's, it's, I mean, honestly, like in what we do, like they're definitely like the bread and butter things that come in. There's a lot of things within like that, that I see like general back and neck pain, things like that. Um, but then there are also those cases like you're describing that really kind of get you going and then kind of like keep you like make you feel like a lot of a lot more fulfilled in, in everything that you're doing. Sure. How I'm curious, just based on uh, career wise, like at what point did you find that within yourself, like as a provider? And at what point did you kind of like actively begin pursuing it before I went into it? So I cool. think if I had to if I had to, um, it's a great question. And I I think I have a solid answer. I think I know where we're going. And, and I think I really have a really solid answer for you for that. Mm -hmm. I think probably the reason that I decided to go into dentistry is when we would go out and like my dad's patients would see him and I'd look at the way that they would look at him and be like, yum, yum, give me some, like, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Like, like I, I, I want my life to be that kind of purposeful. Yeah. Yeah. I want my life I, I, the more I've gotten to know myself and this is especially a lot of it is since the pandemic, but, uh, it, you know, starting in the pandemic and going through the pandemic 
is um is a yearning for purposefulness in my life and maybe yeah. the most the most supreme purposefulness but sometimes it's even just basic i was over visiting my wife my in-laws my wife's family over in latvia mm-hmm. and um my meditative some of my meditative time decompressing time um most precious time was spent just out foraging for mushrooms in the woods that's awesome you know and like <laughs> yeah. the idea that i i'm bringing this home and we will eat this yeah you know like there was a sense of purposefulness in there you know i yeah. wasn't just throwing rocks in a creek or something like that or whatever you know like so i think it was uh the purposefulness and that people would really could i it would be a career that would allow me to maybe do things for people that they would really, really appreciate. Yeah. And I think that's why I went into it. So I think I had it before I went into it. For sure. I think yeah. that's why I went into it. Yeah. The the service to people is the purpose and and the appreciation that you receive is is kind of the reward, right? Let me ask you a question. Yeah. Fair. Um, so um so you and your partner, right? Like mm-hmm. you guys, you go to a party, either one of you, it's probably the same thing as me. You go to a party, you meet someone, you just start talking with them and mm-hmm. you're vibing with them really well, right? Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, da, da, da. like how disproportionately are those people in healthcare? Yeah. You it's... later find out that they're in healthcare, right? <laughs> no, it's it's true. It's true. I, I think it, yeah, it draws a lot of people who got into it for the sake of, yeah, just wanting to help people. And then of course empathetic. there there's- uh, you More know, empathetic. Yeah. I I think, yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And that's the, that's the crux of it all right there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and so kind of on that note, because I I think um, like as a younger professional, I think too, I mean, Joanna and I uh, kind of go back and forth. Like we're very drawn to this idea. And I I know it's like a, a a term where it's like an evidence-based practice or patient centered practice and, you know, you still have to kind of like do the things to make sure that you're like viable as a business and you can keep the doors open to keep, you know, continuing to see people. But I think like you've done a, a very, very good job of being able to have like a, a good balance in life, but also being able to keep a, the focus on patient centered care. And so I'm curious as like a younger provider, um, is there any, and I know actually there are a bunch of younger providers that are probably going to listen to this too. I know their dentistry and chiropractic are different fields, but they're very similar in a lot of ways in sure. terms of working with people. Sure. Do you have any recommendations or, or things like, uh, like pieces of advice or, or even just like things that you've kind of pondered over the years that have helped to provide that sort of focus throughout your career? Sure. It's a, so it's an utterly personal decision, right? Yeah. <clears throat> I, um, we're a fee for service office. Mm-hmm. Um, the way that I run my office is far from the most profitable way to run a practice. Yeah. yeah. Right. So if we looked at how many hours I spent in my office over 32 years now, Mm -hmm. right. And did what the average dentist on the main line makes compared (laughs) to how much I made, Mm -hmm. like I would have a huge chunk of change, Mm -hmm. um, an extra, an extra huge chunk of change. Um, and man, I like toys. I like cars. I like this. I like traveling and everything else. I love my wife and I love my kids. And mm-hmm. it's like, I just want to spend time with them. And then if I can do it at work where I can do that, like I absolutely positively treat every one of my patients the way that I would want to be treated. Mm-hmm. I'm having a problem. Chances are if somebody calls on the phone and they're having a problem, 
Joanne very likely is going to say, how soon can you be here? Right. Yeah. Right. Someone calls in an evening or on a weekend. I'm the kind of person that picks the thing up. Right. You know, and I tell my, my Sally is on my business cards. I tell them like, look, you know, when in doubt, just call me and we'll, we'll talk about stuff and everything else. So, I mean, <clears throat> you know, um, when I was a kid, um, I, I think back, like, I don't know about you, but like, I know mm -hmm. people like, uh, Hey, you know, I have this goal. My goal is, you know, I want to have a house in Aspen by the time I'm 50, or I want to do the seven summits. Right. You know, I, 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 I want to retire by this age, or I want to make my first million by this age and everything else. Um, or it could be, you know, I want to do seven marathons or whatever, you know, um, <clears throat> whatever your goals are. And the only goal that I ever really had, the only vision that I had as a kid, mm -hmm. I'm the youngest of five. It was sitting at the head of a table and there should be a little bit of a catastrophe, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. and a juggling act. Yeah. And we all problem solve it together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's the only vision that I had in my life of what success would look like. Right. Yeah. So it's not, so other people, and it's not, life is a, a huge exercise for me to constantly not project my values on other people. Mm -hmm. Right. And um, so I know like, you know, when someone says, oh, they're really successful and everything else, like for a lot of people, that means something completely different for me. And that's great. Right. You know, if, if that's great for them and healthy for them and healthy for their family and everything else. And even if it's not, if it's what they need to feed the beast for themselves, then I guess that's what they should be doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. But it's the, the work giggles balance, you know? For sure. Yeah. And I like said, screw it. I'm going to, I'm going to have giggles at work too. Yeah. You know, we laugh and joke and play around. We play games all the time in yeah. the office. Um, so, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's a realistic, honest look of what's important to you. Yeah, for sure. And for a lot of people, for majority of the people, you know, a more significant financial thing, whether they have to take care of their family members or they just want to stop working by a certain time or whatever, mm -hmm. like the financial aspect of it for a majority of people, you know, their values are different than mine, I think. Yeah. You know, like they want to make more money. They, they have more goals that maybe require money. You know, once again, I'm very fortunate. My wife grew up in the Soviet union, you know, Hey, we got potatoes, potato, you know, we're good. Right. Yeah. So she's like the least materialistic person I've ever met in my life. Right. She's not cheap. She's, I don't know. She's frugal. I guess she's frugal, but yeah. she's like, you know, she just needs that mushrooming them. Same thing. Right. That's like the but most sacred time I, I think, in her life. Yeah. But to, to go back, I, I think it's like, just focusing on fulfillment and building life career in like a, the same, I guess, viewpoint of, of finding that balance to be able to provide for the people that you care about and the patients that you serve in the same manner, right. Of always kind of doing what you feel like is best for those individuals. And I, I, I just really admire that. And so I, I appreciate you, you know, being willing to talk about it and, and you're also just like a very open person. And, and so I think, uh, I think it's always yeah. just interesting. And, and I resonate with a lot of the viewpoints that you have in general. Um, I've got, there's like a few things that I kind of deliberately I stop and do for myself. Yeah. Um, and one of them is, is someone's like, Hey, how you doing? How's your day going? You know, it's been pretty good. I, yeah. I did this. I, I saw an old friend. I was able to take, you know, it was, I spent time with an old friend. Like I try to give thoughtful, thoughtful answers to that and everything and mm -hmm. just kind of 
in the moment, my, my own little mindfulness tricks and whatever I do. Um, but I think it's, I think it's, you know, important to, um, just be, to be present, to be mindful. Yeah. And I think there's, there's lots of little exercises that I've just on my own, just thought like, I'm just going to do this for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Recognizing the things that you appreciate throughout the day and, and it does make the day that much better too. It's kind of what we choose to focus on. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I know we only have a little bit of time left. I know it's a shorter episode and I know on a future one, I definitely want to have you back on to talk a little bit more clinical stuff too, because I know yeah. we've talked about it and I want to dive into it. So if you're, if you're game for a second episode later on. Oh, totally. Cause yeah. I, I love that conversation and I love the confluence of, uh, of our, uh, practices, oh, uh, sure. our disciplines of what we can do, what we can offer for people. And yeah. it's cool. You know, we can talk to each other and we know exactly the experiences that our patients are having and the reactions we're going to get and everything else. And I think at the end of the day, it's like, I I think being able to kind of, yeah, pick up on, on what it is that you can provide for people and then really focusing on doing a good job of actually providing that for people. it, It does just, I mean, it's so much more fulfilling for like us as providers and so much more fulfilling for the patients who actually come in and experience the care that we provide. And so I think the more people who hear that message, it, it just, it goes far for both patients seeking providers and for providers being able to provide that for the patients who seek them. You know, it it just, I think it's a, it's a really, really important, important approach to care regardless of what you're doing. So I, I, I genuinely appreciate it. Um, I have a couple of fun questions. I'm actually going to switch them up for you. Um, because I think they're fun. I I push your comfort zone. All right. Uh, so, um, okay. If, uh, if you could, pick one message and you know, this isn't like a full paragraph, just like a, like one or two sentences to throw up on a billboard for millions of people to see every day. What would that message be? Just a message for how to live life and everything. You can be whatever you want. You can be um, all gas, no brakes. I don't know. Or chill out. All gas, no brakes. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, I, I guess I was picturing people driving by it. So that's why I said that one. Or it can be, yeah. you know, don't forget um, to drink water. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, sunscreen. Uh, um, be nice. Be thankful. Be appreciative. You know, just just that. That's a good one. Cool. Uh, um, yeah. No. Simple. Clear. Easy. Fantastic reminder. <laughs> um, okay. Next question. This one we've asked people before, but uh, what's the most influential book you've ever read? Most influential book I've ever read could be a movie, could be um, a story. <clears throat> Doesn't have to be a book. Uh, so there are a bunch of different ones that just paralleled stuff with uh, um, with my practice philosophy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, seven highly habits, seven habits of highly effective people, and all we've been talking about that a lot with my daughter and everything. With Sophia trying to get her to, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right, trying to get her to be effective in what she's doing. Uh, thank you very much for for helping put that uh, Death Star of a body of hers back together. Of course, you know, trying to get the Death Star fully operational again. <laughs> but um, uh, one of the books I read during all that was uh, "The Customer Comes Second. There used to be a big. Um, there used to be a big uh, travel agency mm-hmm. in uh, Philadelphia called uh, Rosenbluth. And um, 
I read the book and it was really good. It's like the customer comes second, the staff comes first, mm-hmm. you know, and that's what I've done with my office. Like I had a larger staff. I just whittled down to a smaller staff. We had office policy manuals. Mm-hmm. I hired people who really care and think about, you know, what they're doing and everything. And you don't need like, okay, in this situation, you do this and you do that. Hey, do you need any help? What can I do here? Or, you know, their, their, their heads are in the game and they care. And I have this, I've had for 10 years, last 10 years, I've had just an incredible staff. I'm, I'm, I'm fortunate. There's been a couple of different players that have changed and all, but the book was something that, you know, a lot of the principles in the book resonated with me really well. Yeah. And, uh, so, uh, it turns out the guy, uh, who, uh, read the book, came over to my house, wrote the book, came over to my house one day. He says, Hey, I'm, I'm Hal. Is Kyle here? I'm like, yeah, yeah. I used to have, when I was single parent with my son, mm-hmm. I'd have seven, eight kids sleep over all the time and everything else. Yeah. Kyle was sleeping over. Hey, I'm Hal. Is Kyle here? Yeah. Bring Kyle down. He's leaving. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> it's maybe the first, like, you know, author of a book I've ever, you know, that I read that I right, ever yeah. met. So it was pretty funny. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And did you ever ask him any questions? Yeah. Uh, no, I only saw him a couple of times after that. Oh, that's okay. And I just, you know, I think I just told him, Hey, like, thanks a lot. That yeah. was real helpful. And it's, you know, it's a mind sink. Yeah, for it's sure. A mind sink thing of, of like everything I know is taught from my, from my father. Yeah. My mom growing yeah. up. Yeah, absolutely. All right. I got, uh, another fun question and then we'll wrap up. Uh, I think we got about two minutes left. So, um, if you could have any meal delivered to your door tonight from anywhere in the world, what would it be? I'm just coming back from Europe, man. I'm just like, I know. Give me, I had a, I, we play a game. So on Mondays, we play a game, the Monday game. What was the best thing you had to eat all weekend long? Yeah. Right. And it was sushi, it was this, it was that. For me, it was like, man, I was away, couldn't have a decent sandwich. I got a hoagie. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm still like, I'm still wrapped in, uh, in that. Um, That's fair. I don't know. It's too, um, it's too many, you know, nothing against everybody else for the food straight up, it would have to be like octopus or something from Italy, you sure. know, like a couple meals that I've had in an Italian restaurant. I've spent a little bit of time in Italy lately. Um, uh, you know, uh, uh, too many greats, you know, for the experience, I love Portugal, you know, like just yeah. go to restaurants and just, you know, show me whatever, um, the, the experiential aspect of it all. I went to, uh, my wife and I went to Istanbul a few yeah. years ago and I wasn't sure where to go. So I wrote on Facebook, Hey, in Istanbul, where's a good place to go? My one friend, Terry said, well, that's a shame. I used to know a nice Italian place in Constantinople. <laughs> and this guy, this guy who was his separated at birth twin that the two of them, both friends of mine had met once. And like the two of them were just like, Oh my God. Oh my God. And you're like, yeah, the two of you are together. Uh, my buddy, Todd, Todd Kamiski. Yeah. Writes back. He goes, go to Di Para. Um, tell Rona that, you know, you're friends of, of Todd and Sharon's. You'll be well taken care of. Uh-huh, we're like, we go there. The owner of the restaurant comes out. We talk about food and everything else. She goes, she makes one dish, comes out. We all eat the dish together. She goes back in. So it's the experiential aspect of the whole thing. I mean, I love food. I, I, I don't know. It's too commonplace to say that I'm a foodie. Yeah, I, I love food. The only thing better than really nice food, like my mom used to make, is really bad food. Yeah, 
cheesesteak, buffalo chicken cheesesteaks, wings. <laughs> like, ah. Oh, but it's so good. <laughs> All right. So we unfortunately got uh, a little interrupted towards the end, which is why it's uh, a little bit more of a, an abrupt ending. So recording this now after we've wrapped up, just want to say a quick thanks to Dr. Dylan for being on the podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation as much as we did, and I hope you took something away from it. It's always fun being able to chat with him, uh, and the conversation's always just enjoyable. So um, that said, I wanted to be able to kind of take a note. We are going to do a part two coming up soon, so keep an eye out for it where Dr. Dylan and uh, myself and Dr. Holland are going to talk a little bit more about some of the common musculoskeletal conditions that we've helped to co-manage, including uh, like TMJ disorders. That's that uh, joint in the jaw where people often kind of get pain. So we'll dive into that. And uh, he's a great resource for it in general. So I'm looking forward to that conversation. Um, if you want to find Dr. Dylan, you can find him online at his website. I'll also link it in the show notes, but that's www.brinmardentalcare.com. Or if you just uh, search on Google for Dylan, that's D-I-L-L-O-N, family dentistry, you should be able to find it no problem. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention before we wrap up is um, another passion of Dr. Dylan's is working with the Ardmore Rotary Club. Um, it's a fantastic organization that helps to benefit charities, uh, all throughout the main line in the Philadelphia area. So I would highly recommend checking them out. Um, if you're interested in getting involved in something like that, uh, the website is ardmorerotary.org. So definitely go check that out. Um, thanks so much for listening. We hope you enjoy the episode. Uh, if you do and you find it helpful, feel free to share it. Also, we always appreciate any sort of uh, positive reviews, feedback that you may have. And if you like it, feel free to subscribe. So thanks so much. Take care.